Green Mountain Dental Group, located in Lakewood, is the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area, and they are extreme Colorado sports fans just like us. You got to check them out. They make sure that you feel like family down there, whether you got to do something super intensive like our sales director, Lindsay, had to do with her wisdom teeth removal, saying it was one of the best dentist experiences of her life, or whether you're just going down for a cleaning x-ray and exam for which you will receive a free Sonicare toothbrush, you know that you're in good hands with our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group. Again, they'll talk to you about your favorite sports teams here in Colorado. They'll send you a card on your birthday. They will make sure that your dentist experience is as positive as it can possibly. So once again, get that cleaning x-ray and exam scheduled at Green Mountain Dental, and you will receive a free Sonicare toothbrush today. Go in the air, deep right center field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go out. Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Nolan drives his high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look. You won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. You have got to use their promo code DNVR20 because when you do, you'll get 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD-infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life-altering Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. Patrick Lyons is going to be along just in a moment as we have got to reintroduce ourselves, you out there, everybody worldwide who has been clamoring, begging, practically sending us money, demanding the return of the DFA show where Patrick and I step back a little bit. We play some games. We have some fun. Uh, we talk a little bit about what's going on around the world of baseball. Certainly, your Colorado Rockies as well. We're going to bring back a fun game there where we talk about some of the biggest surprises of the season for your Colorado Rockies in our 20th and Blaze segment that we will get to in a little while. We also have to give some thoughts on a day that has seen eight baseball games being played. I, I don't know if Braves yet they've been playing for quite some time there have been uh, some amazing things going on out there including some pretty eye-popping performances from former Colorado Rockies DJ LeMayhew has been good for the Yankees so far as as comes as a surprise to absolutely nobody we saw Corey Dickerson with some big hits there but I think the big one that a lot of people are kind of reminiscing about because There's almost no like negative energy here in Colorado about Tyler Matzik. It was always and will right as right as the words came out of my mouth. Your comment appeared on screen there. Tyler Matzik going out there with four strikeouts, extra inning baseball, uh, almost two innings of work there really nails chill stuff. And it's great to see because, as we know, you know, Matzik always showed the physical tools the ability here in Colorado to do a lot of special things. And for that one season, I'd have to go and look it up right now. I'm sure Will knows off the top of his head um, was fantastic. And then we know that there were a lot of, of mental issues. And we know that because he's been very forthright about it. It's not something that people have had to go out and guess about, right. Which is something I've been very vocal about really not appreciating when, when writers, do that, you know, unless there's just overwhelming evidence. And in the case of Tyler Matzik, he came out and talked about uh, some of the issues that he had gone with, uh, gone through, I should say, uh, mentally throughout his minor league career and, and during his major league career, having times where he couldn't hit his spots and, and do all the things that you need to be able to do as a competitive major league pitcher. And it really didn't have anything to do with Rockies coaching or, or any of that other stuff, the organization and all, and they just had to 
part ways with him at some point and, and hope and everybody hoped that he would be able to figure it out at some point. And there, there he was. And if that's his, the shining moment of his career, if that's what it ends up being, then congratulations to Tyler Matzik. He earned that moment. Thank you, Will. 2014. Uh, I knew you'd have it, but yes, this is, you know, it's an, it's one of those things. How can you not be romantic about baseball? Right. Cause this could be the height of his career and compared to the all time greats, the household names, the people that we think about day in and day out. Um, that's, that's not great. Right. That's not what guy had less than two innings in one postseason game. And the rest of his career has been remarkably up and down more down than up. And you could very easily have said he would never have a moment like this, that his career and and many of them do of the, you know, just under 20,000 people who have played this game. There's a couple thousand who, Nobody knows any of their names. They've they've hung around for a couple of years. They do the thing. And, you know, Tyler Matzik may end up being one of those guys who's lost to the ages, as it were. But to have come from where he came from, an inability to throw the ball over the plate to, in a huge moment for his team, absolutely excel under the bright light. Well, not bright lights. It was a day game. Really, really, that's a great human story inside the game of baseball. Looks like Patrick Lines is ready to jump on here with us and and maybe share some of your thoughts on uh, Matzik. And, and I didn't really talk about any of the other Rockies. I briefly mentioned Corey Dickerson, DJ LeMahieu playing well today, but uh, Tyler Matzik, you got to that's, that's got to bring just a little, just wipe away that little bit, little allergies in here, just wipe that one away, and we're good. It was really great. Um, besides just the fact that, you know, he made the roster cause he had a fantastic spring and then there was no baseball immediately thereafter. So it was a little bit up in the air as to whether or not, you know, he was going to make the squad after summer camp and he did stuck around and lo and behold, there he is a, a key part of that, that walk-off victory for Atlanta in, you know, what is this crazy wild card series round because man just like that the twins are done and the dodgers haven't even played a game yet so you know anything can happen in in a three-game series anything can happen the rockies can beat anybody in a three-game series they did it to the dodgers they took two straight games against the second best team in the american league the oakland athletics i wonder if i can find the tweet somebody who's Always tweeting stuff at and with me. So sorry that I, I, I'm not giving you credit for this, but point it out. If the Dodgers win the World Series, the Rockies will be the only team who has beaten them in a series of any kind this season. That's good. Yeah, that's that's about as rich as it gets. So it's it's a very strange round. But, you know, again, Matzik playing, playing a key part there in that bullpen. And, and you got to like his chances to, you know, to pitch in some more high leverage situation uh, for Atlanta, who look pretty good to, you know, to win this series again. All you gotta do is win two games. So it's two Reds, games, and the Reds got Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo going. So those guys are no slouches either. It's it's just about the Reds' offense coming through. Pocket, man, they're they're struggling. The Reds' offense, you know, has some some big names, especially with Mustakis and Castellanos. Yeah, big free agent signings. Joey Votto, not quite as uh, the young man he used to be. Eugenio Suarez is, is having a down year after you know an MVP-esque season last year, uh, breaking the record for most home runs by a Venezuelan player in a season. I love so his swing. I love his swing. Fantastic. Yeah, former shortstop with Detroit. So, again, Tigers gave up on him. Reds gave him a shot. Yeah. Pays off in, in a real major him. way. He's a better ball player. I think he's one of the more underrated players in the National League, I think Eugenio Suarez is. Yeah, I think if he would have had you know a much better season this year, year. Yeah. he he would have kind of ascended to that level that Anthony Rendon had gotten to the last couple mm. of years a little yeah. bit. You know, like um, I think he signed a, a team friendly deal with Cincinnati, so he was going to be with them for a while. So never you know too bad until you, until you hit free agency and and make a big contract and you're the darling of the winter meetings. You know, you you your brand as it were, you know, can, can possibly take a hit, but yeah, Suarez was definitely on the cusp of, of making a jump before a little setback 
during the 60 game season. Yeah. And Kenneth, no, not more than cargo. Come on. That's not, I can like more, I can like more than one swing, man, but no, no, it goes Griffey cargo and then other people, different kinds of swings, but yeah. Uh, not at the time, Kenneth. If you're referring to more home runs than cargo all time, no, just in a single season. Uh, it, it, he actually, uh, you know, set the mark last year. And, and the Reds, you know, uh, their community and, and their clubhouse made a really big deal about it. I think you can go and maybe even watch some sure. videos and stuff of that. So that was that was really cool. Um, them giving them props again. It goes to show you that it it doesn't matter where you're from. You know the 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 culture or the the religion of baseball is one that people share all over the world, and it doesn't matter what language you speak, doesn't matter where you were raised or how you were raised. Baseball is that mm-hmm. defining quality in any great clubhouse. Right. So, Patrick, before we get into our main topic, our main uh, game, if you want to call it that, of, of the day, doing the twentieth and Blaze, is there a few, any other thoughts? Because we cover the the former Rockies, but we have seen you know, most of, or a little more than half of an insane and historic day in the history of major league baseball. So I, I just wanted to get your, your immediate thoughts and takeaways here. Yeah. I mentioned it yesterday that it'll be very interesting to see what the ratings look like, uh, you know, for, for this, this yeah. little week there. Now that the final wild card series, game um will potentially be on on friday if they go the the full three which which sounds weird to say uh before uh taking the weekend off i know it it probably doesn't seem like a great idea where baseball is not going to be played on the weekend but as it were they need to get the guys into those bubbles so for anyone who doesn't know the uh this wild card series round is hosted by the team that has the higher seed and um after that, once we get to the division series, those uh, four uh, surviving American League teams, they're going out to San Diego in L.A. And the uh, four National League teams, they're going out to Houston and Texas to play uh, the next two rounds. The World Series will be played at Globe Life Park in Texas. And ultimately, the reason why the AL is going to San Diego and L.A. and why the NL is going to um, – Dallas and in Houston is so that no team has an unfair advantage. Cause mm-hmm. you can imagine, obviously again, the Dodgers are out on the West coast, even if they're playing in San Diego, even if they say, you know what, we got to make sure it's fair Dodgers. You can't play, you know, at Dodger stadium. That would be unfair. We're going to play in San Diego. Well, they already played, you know, about six games there already yeah. this year. So that is, you know, a bit of an advantage. So they just said, you know what? Let's play the AL series in NL parks, NL series in AL parks, which balances it out. And uh, the brand new Globe Life field, you know, gets the gets the World Series. So the Rockies could have opened Globe Life Field this year and closed it. Um, they opened it though. That much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just, just is, this, just. is this the measurement for uh, three games? Because hmm. three more wins. Actually, it would have been four more. And then they would have run off with it. They would have uh, run off with it. So it's yeah. This is exciting. Again, we'll we'll see what happens. Gosh, World Series MVP. <laughs> no, no doubt, no doubt. That's the money line to go with right there. But yeah, it. it Can you imagine? There's a lot of excitement on Twitter, man. People people are jacked up yeah. for this right now, and I think you know it's, it's kind of been termed fall is frenzy. That good? Is that good? Um, I think it's good right now, but is that good? Yeah, no, I'm not in favor of it, but yeah. I definitely could see a world in which MLB says, "Wow, man, people were really digging this. Uh, it's going to be better for the the coffers, you know, to have that uh, extra round in those other games." Um, but you know, again, we'll we'll see. You know, if if the Yankees do get ousted here and Cleveland wins the next two games, if the Dodgers get knocked off quickly, um, Marlins, you know, they seem to play pretty well at Wrigley Field. Um, you know, if if they go ahead and knock the Cubs out, you could have these, you know big market clubs and, and cities saying, yeah, no, we're, we're, we're not okay with that. Um, and, and that, that just squashes it all together, yeah. but you know, for chaos. root for chaos. <laughs> that, and that's, that's what you get. You know, you, you get less, you'll get less juice at the trade deadline. You know, there, there weren't too many 
mega deals. I wasn't too impressed by what happened at the at the trade deadline. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was juice there, but but it, it wasn't like a normal trade deadline. And I think if you've got Padre some, did make seventy two moves, I guess. Yes, but... that, that was where all the juice was. That's right, yeah. um, the, the mustard juice because that that brown and yellow uniforms. Nice. Uh, nice. Those, those are definitely interesting. But if you have oh, sixteen teams, yeah. if you've got sixteen teams. That's going to be very common where the trade deadline is going to take a dip. But then again, the trade deadline doesn't necessarily translate to ratings. You can't sell commercials during the, the trade deadline because that's just a very like vague, right? yeah. it's a vague period of time. It's it's it basically is from mid June to the end of July. But you right. can you know monetize the playoffs. And so if you've got this new yep. wild card series round, then that could be good for the game, or could be good for the coffers, I should say. <laughs> yeah 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 uh, all right all right anything else before we get into it it's been uh yeah that's uh i think that's where we've got to leave it leave it frustratingly i just didn't i just didn't want to <laughs> because i think you're 100 right uh i just hope there's somebody down there in the commissioner's office going this is a one-off man it's a one-off uh on that note patrick i Wanted to be able to show you my new favorite beer from Breck Brew, but I can't because I drank it already because it contains ah. Palisade peaches, which ah. are the most irresistible fruit on the planet. And I'm literally telling you this as somebody who got all of their mail growing up sent to a Palisade address. I've seen where they grow the peaches. They're not world famous for no reason. These things are delicious. And now, my favorite beer and my favorite fruit have come together to create. Wait, what, what was the, the specific name of that thing again? Oh, yeah. Well, it's the, it's just the, the Palisade Peed Wheat. Palisade Peach Wheat. It is a wheat. It is a have wheat. you had it, Kale? Uh, no, I have not. Oh, my God. Now, this thing is. You can't track this thing down. It's exclusive. I don't know if it's sold out. This is the hottest item right now in the in the world, as far as I know. I've heard it's I've heard it's fire though. Harrison Wind has also said it's his new favorite Breck beer. So, Ooh. yeah, yeah, it is. It is mine as well. Again, I'm a little bit biased, but it is ridiculously delicious. You got to hunt it down. We've had it at the DNVR bar, but I don't know that we've had it. We've had it upstairs. We've had it at the DNVR office. <laughs> I don't know that, that it's actually uh, on tap yet at the DNVR bar. The day that happens, I'm taking a couple of days off of work and just make sure there's a cot set up in there or something. You put that on tap. Is it legal to put Palisade Peach Wheat Beer from Breckenridge Brew on tap? There's too many good things in one area. So I don't think you can, you know, we'll, we'll find out whether or not that's legal We'll, we'll update you all on all of that. In the meantime, it's time to jump into the newest edition of 20th and Blades. Ooh. Ooh, the fires. Look at the fires. I should really add sound effects to that. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're just going to silence and enjoy the, Yeah. We got to get that little crackle sound. I get, I can record like a 20th and blaze, you know, some ridiculous, uh, <laughs> some ridiculous thing. We'll make that more ridiculous. We promise. Uh, what we're going to do for now, though, is list for you the five biggest surprises for the Colorado Rockies this season. Patrick, take it away. Yeah, we uh, we we looked at this uh, as far as basically the the players, essentially like we did at the beginning of the year, where we said who are the most pivotal guys that um, are going to make or break the Rockies, and you know we 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 nailed some of them. We we didn't on other ones. Uh, then again, we weren't making many predictions. We were just calling it as as we we thought it would help out, and so. Uh, these are the five guys that, you know what, they ended up contributing a lot more and they were pivotal. And if you take those guys out, man, um, it would not have, it would have been even worse, even worse. than it already was. That's right. Um, so yeah, so we got Antonio Senzatella. uh, we got him at five, but really it, it, he's, he's number one on our list, right? He's, he was the most important guy. We got to get him right out of the way. We could, we, we almost did a whole episode on it, on him yesterday. He was the most vital player. 
um, for the Rockies, stepped up in a real major way, brought some solid innings, and really gets you excited about next year too. Yeah, I think the reason he's in there at number five is just you can argue that for our particular sphere of influence, for our audience, for us, he wasn't the biggest of surprises. But um, really, if if you were doing this nationally, he'd probably be number one on this list, who was the guy that shocked you the most, who ended up being good for the Rockies uh, because he was so good. He was so consistently good. He flirted with being great at times, and that was uh, – you know, really, really remarkable stuff for Antonio Senzatella. Uh, but Yo, then you guys, I'm, I'm just going to fall on the sword here. I think I made your graphics backwards. <laughs> like, uh, just number five is number one, and we'll just work it that Number five is the new number one. <laughs> five is more than one. Why aren't we talking about, like, we're number five? We're number five. I, I've chanted that numerous times in my life. That's just I me. just, you know, I read your, I read your text wrong, Patrick. That's exactly what happened, and I'm just going to admit here instead of Drew trying to cover for me. And I actually think I read the text wrong too. Look, I, <laughs> I like to save the worst for last. I want the best first. <laughs> eat that, and then stomach. Th- it's like you know what? I'm going to eat my mashed potatoes and my meat, and then I'm going to just try to choke down those Brussels sprouts right. or the broccoli at the end. That's how I roll. So I'm on, we're on the same page, Kel. It's all, it's all good, homie. Oh, uh, all right. That's hilarious. Literally, whatever. <laughs> oh, good. Yes, Daniel Bard, number four, a.k.a. number two. Four is two. Uh, Don't worry. Man. We've all had experience with this before. He uh, and 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 with with there's Bard and there's another guy that you know maybe you could change positions uh, on and 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 we'll get to that in a little bit. But you know, I think for the shock value, I think more than anything, I think that was yeah. why you and I said, you know what, we're gonna have to you know um, bump him up a little bit higher because dude quite literally came out of nowhere, was a coach, and. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I don't, can Dusty Baker still swing a bat? I don't know. But no. if they implement the designated hitter in the National League in 2022, why not? Let's look around. What other coaches are out there that the Rockies can bring in and have as much success as Daniel Bard did this year with his six saves and an ERA just a touch over three? Yeah, that's going to be tough to repeat. That's for sure. Yeah, if you'd have asked me at the season, you know, at the beginning of the season, list in order who you think will be the the Rockies best reliever this season. I would have come up with eight or nine names before I, I listed Daniel Bard and he was easily their best, certainly their most reliable in, in the biggest of moments guy uh, for the seasons. So that that's quite the jump to make uh, on a roster to go from maybe he'll be there to he's the guy who has to be there. Precisely. I mean, they went out and they gave an invitation to Daniel Bard and well, they, in fact, they when they the invitation they gave to Bard was after pitchers and catchers had already reported. So it was like this weird thing of, all right, cool, that's nice. But they invited Daniel Bard. They also invited Ubaldo Jimenez. And Ubaldo didn't even make the team. So the fact that Bard made it, that was the story. That's where we thought the story was going to end. Hey, this is a good story. He's going to stick around. Yeah, maybe he shouldn't. You know, we, we see what the Rockies have done with Drew Butera. And you go, all right, well, even, even if they cut him after a couple weeks or a month, dude got back. You know, it was almost Jim Morris-esque, you know, the, the rookie. Like he came back after seven years of, you know, being injured and, and, and arm issues and then goes to coaching. And not only does he make the opening day squad, but as you said, just contributes and is you know one of the most consistent guys in the bullpen. Like that's that's a surprise. That's fantastic, man. Daniel Bard, you you can't forget that name now. No, no, now the only question is, can they bring him back? Another guy in that same category there, number three or number three. three. See, <laughs> Kel got it, baby. Check it out. Nailed I that got one right. Look at that. <laughs> that's what's up. That's what's up. It's a passing grade, right? <laughs> I don't, I don't want to give you the nickname of Broken Clock because a Broken Clock is correct twice a day. But that would be an awful nickname. Hey, uh, I didn't get that nickname, Broken Clock. Uh, uh, you uh, got it. Uh, the, but at number three, uh, a young man who had a bit more shine on him than Daniel Bard 
like a couple of years ago, we were talking about maybe him being a thing, but after, you know, last season, uh, that's the one uh, leg up that a guy who was a coach last year has is your ERA last year was zero and your ERA the year before that zero. And he hadn't given up any runs in like seven years at Daniel Bart. <laughs> Whereas Yancy Almonte, the last couple of years, Rockies fans have seen him really struggle out there and give up a bunch of runs. So for him to go from a guy who again was borderline roster filler coming into the year to second most reliable reliever after the guy we just talked about pretty w- solid way to to have your 2020 go. Yeah, really solid. It you know, it gets you excited. I I think because it was a shortened season, people might not be as excited about Almonte as they were about, you know, Jairo Diaz and Carlos Estevez last year. I think also because those dudes had, you know, kind of shown those flashes uh, before. Now, Almonte, I think, you know, he did show some flashes as soon as he came up in 2018. I think it was his, his first appearance. He threw two pitches and immediately got an inning ending double play. And it was like, whoa, welcome to the bigs, kid. You know, had that had had a f- true rookie season in 2019. And you go, all right, well, we haven't seen the best of him yet, uh, which is why, again, Estevez and Diaz, you go, okay, now we're seeing the best of them. We like these guys. We got to keep them around. They're going to be, you know, pivotal, pivotal pieces of the bullpen. Got to keep them around. Where Almonte, he had a long way to go and a lot to prove. And he he did it this year. Again, only, only in a 60-game span, but he did it enough where you go, at least it's in there. At least we know that it's in there and you can rely on that. Even if you only get that kind of a, a two-month span out of him, you know, next year, hopefully he can do it for three months. Shoot, if you can do that from from May to July during during those crucial parts of the season to at least, you know, um, you know, get to that trade deadline and and encourage Breidich and Monfort to add to this team, that's that's all you need to do. And Almonte, you know, could be one of those contributing guys in 2021 again. I mean, he literally was that this year, I think, right? The the fact that he and Bard were holding it together was part of the reason why Breidich went, I'm going to go get you Michael Givens, give you guys another game. Now, Givens didn't end up pitching especially well for the Rockies either. And uh, that's going to be another interesting case study in, you know, why do these guys come in here and, and struggle so much? And is it a lack of advanced scouting? Is it just Coors Field? Is it a weird adjustment to make? Can it be done over a certain amount of time? You know, Givens is younger, certainly, than Shaw, McGee, and Davis were when they came in, but not by a ton, by, you know, a year or two. Uh, better resume, better peripherals in a way. But uh, at the very least, yeah, when you've got some – you got three guys performing out there in your bullpen, it's a mighty good incentive to go out and get a fourth. Precisely, yeah. Quite quite literally, Almonte and Bard were options A, and B yeah. for Bud Black this year in, in their bullpen. Yeah. Not a, not a and, cool nickname to be option options no, A and B. That's, we're not going to make a DNVR shirt of two relievers that no one really a, knows that well. Option B. Uh, it's bad <laughs> nickname day on the podcast today. All right. In at number two or four, depending on how. I mean, again, you really could. A lot of these guys were, were mixed right in there together. The, the ranking here is pretty close josh fuentes who again i would say for our audience maybe a little bit less of a surprise for the national audience it's been said a million times but it seems to be that the only thing they really knew about this guy or maybe even still know about him is that he's nolan arenado's cousin um maybe now though the you know the small sample size things will help him out a little bit he put up like a huge drs number at first base which i think caught some People's eyes, the batting average isn't going to matter to the, the modern baseball thinkers as much anymore, or the two-out RBI. But I think in general, you know, we're looking at a, a ball player here. And at the very least, when you take that step from afterthought to, yeah, he belongs. Like, that's huge. Belonging at the major league level is no joke. And a lot of guys flame out uh, in a lot less time. Yeah, he – you know, he went to be, he went from a guy that you go, you know, maybe he deserves a spot on the bench. Maybe he can do some things here and there to, he did it everywhere, you know, uh, in the lineup. We even saw in the final game of the season, he was batting second 
for crying out loud. Not bad for a guy who was, you know, undrafted. So did an amazing job defensively. As you said, the metrics, you know, really liked him. Uh, according to baseball reference, they gave him, he was, he was worth one win above replacement. And that was almost entirely defensively too. So it's, it's strange. You don't really see too many first basemen that are way more glove than that. But when you do some of the, when, when you have a guy that's that good defensively over at first base, you go, shoot, maybe we have undervalued the importance of defense at first base, especially when, you know, you got balls coming in on the dirt. Now it helps that you got story and Arenado who are, are already making really great throws. Um, but you know, it wouldn't shock me if there were some other GMs out there um, for developing teams who say, you know what, I don't know if Josh Fuentes is going to be a key part of my, you know, long future, my long-term plans three, four years down the line. But you know what? I got, you know, some young infielders on the left-hand side of my infield. Uh, we might not be winning a ton of games this year. Maybe we can contend. Maybe we go out and we we trade for Josh Fuentes because he's going to make our defense that much better. He's going to help those young guys grow on the left side of the infield, make them more confident, uh, and and do some of the things he did at the plate where he just started all, all kinds of rallies, you know, it seemed like every single game he was getting in on there. Yeah, he's, he's striking out more than he should have, but every other at-bat, he was doing something else to extend the at-bat, to keep keep the inning going, keeping it alive, doing something exciting, and uh, it was it was a, it was fantastic to see that. And it was, a, it was a breath of fresh air, really, late in the season when it seemed like the Rockies couldn't really muster up any excitement. Fuentes was the excitement during the month of September. Yeah, especially if you really do just watch all the baseball games and you exist in a kind of, you know, do you get up or do you get down when such and such is at the plate or on the mound or the ball is hit in their direction, right? When they become involved in the play. When Daniel Murphy became involved in the defensive play, everybody in the Rockies world felt roughly the same way. And even I, who had to defend him a couple of times, I know that one wasn't his fault. I'm still not overly enthusiastic about the fact that he's involved in the play to begin with, or that you didn't have a guy who maybe could have made a great one of the things I said several times when I was excusing some bad Daniel Murphy plays was he didn't make a great play there, but that wasn't his fault. I remember one specifically where there was an awkward play and Nolan Arenado came like all the way across the diamond and he threw it right at Daniel Murphy's feet. And, and Murphy made an incredibly unathletic, his feet got tied up and he totally missed it. And people are going, that's on Murphy. I was going, that was a terrible throw. And I think half the first baseman in baseball aren't going to come up with it. Maybe two thirds of the first baseman in baseball weren't going to come up with that. However, Josh Fuentes probably does. And that matters. That, yeah. that, that and, and and it was the same at the plate too, right? Where when Murphy came up to bat after a while, you just went, "Geez, can he?" You know, you hope he puts it in play hard somewhere. And you could where when Josh Fuentes came up to the plate every time, okay, it's going to do now. This is going to be interesting. Let's see what he does this time. Yeah, pr precisely. You 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 hit the nail on the head. And and for any of our subscribers, um, you you already read this in in the article that came out this morning. But if not, we'll give you a little sneak peek. Is that uh, I believe it was from about August, I want to say August 20th to the end of the season, basically the point in which Josh Fuentes got called up. Uh, Daniel Murphy was literally the worst player, um, you know, sabermetrically speaking, uh, analytically speaking, the worst player in baseball, hitter and pitchers, negative 1.2 wins above replacement. Um, he, he was batting like 125 and – you know, he was getting on base, I think, under 200% and a, a slugging percentage under 300. So absolutely yeah. abysmal. And that it, it was worse than I thought. You know, I, I knew it wasn't good. But, man, when it, when you could really put a number on that, you go, wow, that, that ultimately did cost the Rockies at least one game. Right there, you got 27 wins if you're able to move Daniel Murphy at the trade deadline for something. Yeah, or just play the other guy and bench him. Just they gotta, they gotta figure that out. I, I talked about it last year with getting Desmond out of center field and getting Davis off of the closer spot. That got to be quicker. And the analytics that we've talked about, the being more flexible and more philosophically inclined, 
uh, away from the traditions of, well, but he's our closer. And we've said, or, well, but we told him he's our center fielder. And like, doesn't it, who cares? That's the kind of, I don't think he got a wheel and deal like the A's and the Rays. But one of the things that those two teams do extraordinarily well is, hey, all right, you're not doing it in center field. You're doing it in right field. So you're a right fielder now. That's what you are. That's what you are. That's just what you are. Welcome to being a right fielder. Congratulations. Charlie yeah. Blackman says he doesn't like DH, but he's costing you in the field and you need his bat. And you sit down with him. You give him all the numbers and you say, you're a DH now. Love you. We love you, Charlie. But and, and so that's that's just something the Rockies have to get better at. Daniel, if you're not cutting it, the kid's playing. He's playing hot. He's great on defense. He's swinging a hot stick. And until he stops, he's our starting first baseman. That should have happened two and a half weeks before it did. And in that case, you had depth. And the the big thing that the Rockies are going to be up against, and we'll talk about it all offseason, is a lack of depth. And you look at all of these teams in the playoffs right now, a, you know, a, a big spot in your depth is developing minor leaguers. Alex Kirilov today made history. Today made history because he made his major league debut in the playoffs. That wasn't historic because it happened a couple other times before. Sure. You might have remembered uh, Raul Mondesi um, Jr. No, I don't think that's his name. Anyway, uh, Adalberto Mondesi. Yeah, he went by Raul Mondesi Jr., yeah. but Adalberto Mondesi, uh, the shortstop for the Royals, did that back in uh, 2015 where he made his debut because of some injuries that were going on with the Royals. But Kirilov. And got he got his first major league hit in the playoffs. So again, yeah. you got a guy that had only played at the double A level now contributing in the postseason. We know about all the young guys with the Padres. So many other teams. Atlanta injects those young guys into those big spots, developing, also challenging by moving them through the system quickly. That's something we'll talk about all offseason where the Rockies really need to improve upon that depth. And so Josh Fuentes, man, big, big depth piece there for Colorado this season. Yeah. One they, one they actually landed on. And rounding out our group of surprises for the Rockies has got to be the newcomer. Potentially controversial one, Patrick, because I know there are still some out there who hold the position that because the Rockies didn't go anywhere and he is a free agent now and they did have to give up some value for him, though you and I both argued, you know, whatever, um, that regardless of the fact that he, he – he hit well for the Rockies, and I think the defense matched up with my eye test. You know, th this is something we're going to have to, again, I think a future podcast is going to have to be. We'll even, well, we may be able to do it. We'll, we'll have to have two different conversations if we bring Corey Sullivan back on because he'll, he'll probably not want to talk too specifically about these guys. But we've talked to him before about what it takes to play center field and, and how it's so much more about leadership and captaining and knowing where you're supposed to be and making sure the other guys know where they're supposed to be on any given play and uh, getting the great jumps and being in the right position before the pitch is even thrown, knowing the hitter, all of the other things that come with it. And, uh, you know, Kevin Pillar did all of those things defensively, and then he just raked. He had some huge hits for the Rockies down the stretch. And so, you know, I won't be surprised if they make a run at bringing him back. I won't be surprised if fans are generally – disappointed in whatever deal they do reach. Um, but I, I think he's shown that he's a, a really good fit on this Rockies team. I think one of the reasons why they did acquire him was because the cost was so low. Now, you know, again, the, the young uh, prospect that they gave up for him and, and they did spend, you know, a good $300,000 in the international market to sign him. If he, you know, becomes anything at any point, uh, you go, oh man, you gave up six to seven years of of service uh, from this guy for you know a month of Kevin Pillar, but you know again, prospects are cool, parades are cooler. Um, they're not cool during a pandemic though, so I maybe <laughs> throw all that out. Yeah, maybe no, throw no. all that out. I don't know, but I think I think you know maybe the Rockies in a lot of ways were really trying to kind of you know, do the, the St. Louis Cardinals model of, you know, we're going to trade for a guy a little early, even though they're becoming a free agent because we have interest in them. And we think if they're a good fit, then we we're going to bring this guy back. Right. They, they did it with Matt holiday. Boom. They went and re-signed him. Paul Goldschmidt. They got him in immediately. We're like, okay, yes, let's extend right. him. Right. They went and got Marcelo Zuna uh, from the 
from the Marlins did not sign him, did not extend him after uh, last season. So I, I think part of it might have been, you know what, let's kick the tires on Pilar. We don't have to give up a lot for him. We're really just taking on his contract. Let's see if we want to extend him, you know, a one-year, $7 million. He only had, like, I think, $4.5 million. Uh, he signed with Boston this offseason. I think, again, there's going to be a course Field tax, even for hitters. Um, yeah. So it might and, – and he played well. That was the other thing, too, is that once they acquired him, you know, he batted – I think it was something like 308, you know, scored 14 yeah. runs, 13 RBI, stole four bags. Again, competent defense out in center field. There were a couple plays that – you know, he were, were dazzling. I think it was in that, that Angels series where he just missed, you know, laying out for, for one. So, you know, is is going to do a good job and bring some stability and a right-handed bat because, again, you still have that that same issue where it's it's really only Garrett Hampson in the outfield. Josh Fuentes even spent some time in the outfield because maybe the Rockies are going, well, what right-handed bat options do we have in the outfield? Are these guys going to mesh well in our clubhouse? You know, don't know entirely what's going on in, in the front offices, how they're evaluating players. But I think part of the, the thought process of acquiring Pilar was, let's see if this guy's a good fit. And because we, we like him. And instead of bringing him in during this offseason, he's a bad fit. And we find out and we lose $7 million for a year. Uh, I'm going to say slightly pillow contract. It's, that's not what a pillow contract is. Or yeah, you've got to sign him for two years. Right. At twelve million dollars, and you go, he wasn't a fit. You know what? Let's give up this low-level prospect. See if he fits. Guess what? He does. Okay, we definitely want to bring him back on a two-year deal, and we know we're we're probably going to get our money's worth in that instance. Right. So, yeah, I I think there's a, a pretty high chance of all of that working out. He seemed to like it here. Uh, they seemed to like him. He did seem to be a fit. You're right. They need a right-handed outfielder, but they also need a right-handed outfielder who they don't have to. 100% commit to as long as David Dahl is on the roster. As long as David Dahl's on the roster and, and he's out there as potential, you know, the long argument has, has always been, Drew, you can't count on David Dahl. And me going, I know. But you also can't completely count him out. You can't just pretend like he does not exist. And if the dude gets healthy and gets hot and is playing, your best outfield is probably just Toppy Adal Blackman. Um, but we all know that <laughs> that's not a guarantee. And so I, I, I think, you know, having Pilar around and, uh, whether that means giving those other guys rest and if he gets hot and Charlie Blackman becomes your DH also good. Um, and if it leaves you enough money specifically to then go out and do things with the pitching, uh, I think that's where, uh, it really could end up being a good move. But if, if all they do in the offseason is like bring back Kevin Pillar, uh, then of course that's not going to get anybody excited. That's that's not a good offseason. But if it's the first thing they do, probably will be. And and there will probably be a lot of people that, you know, just come straight for the jugular on it. But I barring the terms of it, it's a good thing to do. Yeah, and you and you could you could I don't know that you could do it now, um, because there is kind of a uh, moratorium on on making these deals during the playoffs. Although the Astros ended up doing it with with Yuli Gurriel, um, you know, got a little bit of a, a price reduction from what he was making this year. And ultimately, you know, the the word around baseball that I'm hearing is that it was it was just smart move for both teams because again, you got cost certainty for Houston, and Gurriel doesn't have to go out on a free agent market with so much uncertainty because right. you know once you're out there and once you find figure out what the market is. And you go, wait, these teams aren't paying anybody. I'm going to be a non-roster invite. I thought I was going to get at least a two-year deal for six million dollars. If you're if you're a backup catcher, you know that's that's done a you know a solid job like a Jason Castro. You go, ah, somebody will sign me for you know two years, five million, or maybe I'll get a one-year, three million dollar deal. Now these clubs are going to be playing hardball and say, no, we're going to bring you in on a, a non-roster contract. And, you know, if you make the team, maybe we give you 1.5 mil. So you're making half of what you normally thought. So if you can get those deal, that deal done early, then as a player, I think you're going to be taken care of. In fact, that was really what happened with the Rockies and, and those free agent relievers. Right. You know, Jeff Breidich went out early, was aggressive. Yeah. And by all accounts, a lot of people at the time thought, you know, you, you have to be aggressive and go early. I, I didn't think they needed to at the time, only because – 
there were so many options out there on the market that I did th think that they overspent a little bit, but I gave them the thumbs up because again, if, if they do what they need to do, it doesn't matter that they may be overspent by $2 million annually on each of those guys. Right. So they can do that with Pilar, sign that deal nice and early, get it out of the way. Totally. I mean, what if those guys had pitched good? Has anybody ever asked that question before? Has anybody good? ever wondered about that? Yeah, yeah. I've You're been, asking I've been... a lot, Drew. You are yeah. asking a lot for $106 million. Good? Come on. Okay. What if now just we're talking? One of them had not been a complete hit. Anyway, and yes, Will, I did see the the news that Dahl had his shoulder surgery, and he also said, now he's he's not a doctor and he doesn't get to say it for himself, but uh, tweeted out that he expects to be ready to go for spring training next year. There you have it. Um, you know, we'll, we'll all be back on it. I also saw one other question here that I think should just lead to a real quick uh, production meeting on air before we get out of here, which is somebody asking about uh, Theo Epstein. And going out and trying to overpay to get Theo Epstein or somebody to come here. I we should try to list before it becomes evident that it's not going to happen. So do we think we could do it by tomorrow? Maybe we may, we make it for Friday uh, and go through our our GM candidates list, our our favorite I, free agent GMs. We the information on the information on managers contracts sometimes can be a little bit murky. In fact, I don't think the the exact yeah. details of Bud Black's contract have not. been made public. He oh. now in the uh 18-19 offseason, so Bud Black signs a 3-year deal and then in that 18-19 offseason after two it consecutive worked. two consecutive playoff appearances, they say, "You know what? We're going to sign him to a 3-year extension." And I was in the room for that. And the discussion was, so was it you added three years onto the deal or did he sign a brand new three-year contract, which if that's the case, he's Starts. he's a lame duck manager right now. He could be right. in his final year before free agency. Again, that's not clear. But even less is known about general managers. I don't think Theo Epstein is a, is a free agent after this year. Also, I think the Rockies need to lose at least uh, 50 consecutive years, 50 years in a row to start off their franchise without winning an NOS title before Theo Epstein goes, fine, I'll win a World Series for yet another loser. Yeah. We yeah, got to go. haven't lost nearly enough. That's no. you, you might think they have. but The not. Mariners are the next on that list. The Mariners have a long way to go. Mariners have never even been to the World Series, folks. Never. Right. right. They're approaching I don't know if you saw the years. article, though, that the Colorado Rockies should follow their model. Um, that's a, real a bad thing. idea. I, I didn't make that. The, the Marlins model <laughs> or the, the, Mariners? the Mariners, the Mariners model. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad. It's not a bad one. Trading, trading your best players and, and bringing back really impressive talent to build around when you know, you're not going to compete or when you realize that you're overmatched. It's not a bad idea. Okay. It's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun to go to games. I'm sure at Safeco field, uh, if that's what it's still called. No, I think it's T-Mobile Park. Um, it, it's not fun going to those games when you've got all those young guys and they're you know not that exciting and they're not big names. Where you're like, oh, I want to wear their jersey. They're household names. These guys, a lot of the guys in, in Seattle aren't household names in, in in the state of Washington right now. But give it time because Jared Kelnich will be a name that uh, everybody knows, and they'll go, oh, they got rid of an old Robinson Cano who was getting overpaid and some young reliever who never really had another season like he did in 2018 and they got one of the best hitters in all of baseball. That was a pretty smart move. Yeah. I guess, I guess my suffering wasn't all for nothing. That's what some Seattle fans would be saying from in a couple years. Quite a long way from prospects are cool, but parades are cooler. <laughs> quite a long way, but we know that's always a revolving door. Um, yeah. So that wraps it up for the, uh, the 20th and blaze team, a, a solid group of, of positive surprises for your Colorado Rockies. No, nothing gigantic and major there, but certainly a, a collection of players you feel solid about moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Ryan Maltapia, you know, probably you know, just, just missed that list. Uh, um, 
you know, gave Kevin Pillar the, the nod over a little bit. You know, Hampson was there for a little bit, really seemed to have fallen off, you know, late in the season. And again, it's it's all of outside of the the guys you would have expected, the the four all-stars and the three starting pitchers, they're the, the guys that were supposed to step up really didn't. Ryan McMahon didn't mm-hmm. do it. He could have been on this list, had a very disappointing year. Tony Walters could have been mm-hmm. on this list, did not. Daniel Murphy, no. Nope. So um, it 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 was a frustrating season for Rockies fans. At least it was only sixty games of pulling your hair out, and it wasn't all sixty because they were eleven three to start. They were eleven right. and three to start, so it was more like quick math: fifty six games, no, forty six games of pulling your hair out. Yeah, yeah. There you go. All right, everyone. We'll pull your hair out again with us tomorrow in the next couple of days as we continue to talk about. Uh, what's going on in the world of baseball, what's going on with the Colorado Rockies, what could happen, what they should be looking to do in the offseason. We are going to dive into the GM conversation at some point. And the manager one, though, as Patrick said, a lot of it's going to have to be more or less educated guessing because there's a lot we just don't know there. But it's always fun to talk about those things. And then we'll start diving into you know, the free agents and all that good gravy. So thank you all for continuing to hang out with us. Make sure that you're following us on social media at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons, at DNVR underscore Rockies. You got to subscribe to the DNVR.com so you don't miss out on any of that written content. Plus you get discounts on hats, shirts, masks, all kinds of cool stuff, including a much bigger beer when you come on down to the DNVR bar. So, other than that, all we can ask is that you continue to remain absolutely awesome. What's happening there, Kale? Quick note on merch uh, for everybody watching still. Tomorrow, we are having the biggest merch sale in the history of our company. So, stuff on dnvrlocker.com is going to be up to 75% off. We're going to, like, lose a whole bunch of money, but you guys are going to make out like bandits. So, that's going to be sick. So, come celebrate our one-year anniversary and get all that merch that you've been wanting to buy for a while. Great tip. And there, I don't there think there's is. any limits either. I think there may have been a discussion like, you know, should we have a certain dollar amount? Because again, if you're only, if you're saving 70 to 75% off, you're only paying a lot less. So <laughs> no, no limitations. Just go crazy. You can wow. get it all. You can so complete great. your set because we have a lot of completionists out there too. That's right. Shout out to Tanner Kelly. I was going to say. He's a completionist. He's a completionist. Yeah. He's got all of the shirts for forever i i think and that, now you can too that's right you can you can catch up with tanner uh and if you do then we'll know for sure that you are absolutely awesome out there we will continue to be absolutely patrick lyons and drew creaseman in here and until next time we will see you at the ballpark